Hey there, Tony Gatewood. Another black man's opinion. Chilling here with my uh, coffee and the Wonder Woman uh, cup. Uh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good today. Um, wondering about how your day is going. How you all are doing. How you all are feeling. I think, you know, yesterday we had an inauguration. And uh, let me tell you how <laughs> I blew it. Like, guys, you need to hear this uh, really clearly that, like, sometimes you need to understand you got to get out of the way of your own maleness, your own inbreded misogyny. I know you're like, what? What? No, I I, for real got to get out of the way of your own inbred misogyny to see the moment. Let me tell you. uh, So tomorrow, yesterday started out just like any other time you know like uh me sleeping in a little too long and rachel getting the day going but she started my wife started the day excited really excited and i realized for myself that i was not on the same page of her excitement as um she would want to and you know i'm like grumpy and annoyed uh by like uh by just what was going on and how she was feeling and uh you know i did what i didn't realize was that yesterday we were um inaugurating and bringing into office the first female vice president the first woman of color black woman asian woman south asian woman and she was excited and she wanted to get ready for the day and uh, needed my help to kind of like set kind of a, a stage. Like we can have a projector. So we were going to project the inauguration and stuff. And I was just not reading it. Tone deaf. I promise you. Very, very tone deaf. And, you know, I, I missed it. We got into a nice little argument as we love to do. As you guys, probably some of you married couples totally understand. Love to do, right? Um, Got into an argument just in front of our kids and stuff. Trying to start the school day. We were just upset with each other the whole day. And as I started to look at the inauguration. Look at the moment. You know, seeing um, Amanda Gorman and... Uh, Michelle Obama, Sonia Sotomayor, and uh, seeing uh, Kamala Harris, I was like, Tony, you are so tone deaf. (laughs) I was like, Miss. (laughs) Oh, boy. And and, um, that's right. I had you found me uh, apologizing uh later i was definitely uh apologizing and my wife was able to see her own faults and how the argument happened and all those different things but i tell you for me personally it is easy for men like myself and others to become so tone deaf like i'm thinking more about my own rest or my disturbance than i am about other things now maybe some of you would say well you know you just got woken you you were you were woken and like you weren't ready and all those different things can be excuses but it's not 
it's not necessarily the situation that happens. It's the response to the situation. And what I realized is that my response to the situation um, was tone deaf. The funny thing is, is that I probably could have um, reconciled with my wife sooner than waiting to the end of the day. And I think sometimes we struggle with that, especially um, um, in our spousal relationships. We struggle, you know, with being like what we call it being a bigger person. And I don't know. I think it's actually you need to shrink. I think we were I think we're too big sometimes, you know, but that's my opinion. That's just another black man's opinion here. Um, I want to keep telling you guys stories of my life and stories of the things that I've gone through, the things that I've uh, seen and wanted to drop a little bit of spiritual truth on you in the midst of it as well. So I'm thinking about, I'm wondering about a story that I can share with you all that you would, you would like to hear. You're probably like, I, Hey, Tony, let's just, whatever you got, man, let's just hear what you got. Um, Let me tell you about the first time that I started to believe that God answers prayer. So I remember I told you all I, you know, I was a scrawny kid, small kid. And, um, and I, you know, went to high school, had bullies and stuff like that. Um, I shared your story. I shared, sorry, check out episode two, um, about bullies part two. You hear about my uh, story. Uh, story there, but I have, um, I've had bullies. I was always a little scrawny, uh, kid, nothing, um, of importance necessarily. And, um, but I love baseball. Love it. I mean, I remember, uh, I should tell you I'm a Chicago White Sox fan. Yes. For all my Chicago people who love the Cubs and everything like that. I don't like you. Now, <laughs> I have no problem with Cubs fans. Cubs fans have a problem with me. It's like I can't exist as a White Sox fan in the sphere of Cubs fans. You know, and so I, I'm not going to trip on y'all. But like I'm from the south side of Chicago. What do you want me to do? First place I went to, Comiskey Park. First baseball player I fell in love with, Frank Thomas. Um, and Robin Ventura, second baseman. I remember watching that game and I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. My dad, my dad is a Cubs fan. He really tried to get me to be a Cubs fan. But um, the first stadium I went to was a Comiskey Park game. And that was it for me. So sorry, dad. If you're listening to this, you hear this. No love lost. Um, but anytime a crosstown rivalry series happens, I need I need the Cubs to lose. I need them to lose. Okay, it's part of my personal health. Anyway, love baseball. Uh, started playing baseball in high school, my first year, and we would have you know uh, we would have you know practice after school, and then you know I'd come back home eat a whole bunch of food, sleep for two hours. And then another thing I would probably share with you later, I was a part of a dance group. Oh, yes. I did some hip hop dance and I was a part of a dance crew in Chicago. We battled people. We were the lower tier. I'm not going to sit here and act as if we were like high tier and stuff like that. You guys know in Chicago, 
uh, about the mid '90s dance groups and stuff like that that were on mixtapes that were like clear and trans trans uh, transparent, uh, different colors, neons, and different things like that. Uh, we weren't we 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 were never shouted out, but we we fashioned ourselves to be. I think I think we were a decent dance group. Anyways, that's how I spent my evenings and stuff. And I began to I should say around seventh grade i got witness to i got reached out to by uh a, a group of korean american people who had a f- desire to share um shared you know the bible share jesus <clears throat> with young youth from the south side of chicago and um or i should say south and west side that's a whole nother i'll have to get into that south and west side of chicago uh but um they would reach out to us and i was starting to go to like saturday bible studies never went to church i wouldn't say our family was particularly high highly religious or anything like that didn't sometimes we would go to church on christmas or easter definitely dressed up on easter but sometimes we'd go to church on easter um but um, they would reach out to me. And I, it was in this group that I started to learn about God, start to learn about Jesus, um, and start to learn about prayer. It's particularly interesting to me that they started talking about how God answers prayer. And I, um, I thought at the time that that was the, uh, that was the craziest thing I ever heard. Like, to be quite honest with you, it was the craziest thing I have ever heard. God answers prayer. I was probably around 11. And I remember stopping the whole Bible study. And I said, wait a minute. Help me understand what you're saying. You're telling me that God answers prayer? Like, he's listening to us. And he wants to intervene in the life that we live. And I'm like, yeah. I think it was serious for them. Because they saw how serious it was for me. Like I told you, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. And particularly, I grew up in the Robert Taylor Projects of Chicago. So it's like, you got parts of the south side of Chicago that was poor. But then there were people who looked at me that lived in the projects. And they was like, you poor. <laughs> like, that's how bad it was. It's like, we all struggling, but you struggling. Like, I'm not struggling like you. And, uh, you know, I dealt with a lot of... Uh, violence around me. Um, I, I'll, I, in future episodes, I'll share a little bit about uh, the amount of violence, particularly in this one. I had some bullies that basically chased me. Not, not chased me. Like I think episode one, I shared about being chased home. Um, but here, basically, they would uh, start a fight with me every time I would go home, and they would rob me. And it was a little overwhelming, to be honest with you. It was very overwhelming for me to deal with being constantly antagonized and robbed, taken of my possessions every day. So much so. I used to have coins, you know, back in the day when we weren't using debit cards and stuff like that. We had coins, (laughs) quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies. I used to put them in my sock of my shoe. 
so that I wouldn't get my money taken from me. I know I'm not the only one who lived on the south side of Chicago who used to stuff their shoe with all of their money in order to not get robbed. Maybe some people fought. That was how I was trying to deal with the constant kind of stress of being um, being robbed all the time. Well, you know, I'm in this Bible study and they say God answers prayer. And so I'm like, what? If I bring my request, if I say something about my requests to the Lord, he will answer those things. Like, cause I got real issues. I don't know about anybody else. They're just like, Oh God would, you know, like some people, you know, pray for the health of family members or peace and joy. As I know now, I'm like, hold on for a second. My situation is dire. I have very practical things that I would want God to intervene into. If what you are saying is true, because I was like, ah, that sounds crazy. I like what I'm hearing about this Jesus person. I like that, but what you're telling me seems a little, a little crazy. But just answer this question for me. Does God answer prayer? And I think with a lot of courage on their own behalf, they're like, I think God will listen to you if you pray to him. I don't think I said anything else the rest of that Bible study. I literally started to focus on that. Like I said, I was pat I was passive. I didn't know how to be an active, how to actively defend myself as a youth. I didn't know. And so trying to figure out how do I do this thing? How do I um, get out of this system of like uh being violently, you know, aggressed and attacked when I had such a crippling passivity. And so this seemed something, this seemed some, this seemed worth testing, right? So as a, a, like my background is uh, in sociology and cross-cultural and ethnic identity development, because I wanted to study what would happen, what happened to me, (laughs) what was going on for me, where I lived. That's what I studied in college. But um, I think there was always a, a researcher in me, kind of a person that wants to test out theories. Well, I'm sitting here and I'm like, like going back to the future. I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, traveling back. And usually what would happen is I would get done with baseball practice. Now we're back to baseball. You get done with baseball practice. I take the bus, you know, as uh, treasures as that can even be, you know, I take the bus, travel, um, back home walk to the building and usually they were there waiting for me to 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 aggress me so on my way back i'm on a bus and i'm like you know what why not try this out so i you know kind of close my eyes a little bit because it's not safe to just close your eyes on a bus on a city bus in chicago i was like i don't think i need to close my eyes to talk to god i was like okay God, if you're real and you really do listen to us, you hear us, I just need to say a couple of things. I wasn't angry with the, with God about not listening beforehand, but I, I to me, I was super curious about, like, what can you do, actually? And I was like, every time I, every time I go home, I'm always getting robbed. Every day. And... I would just like for them to not be there. 
I just, can you protect me and can you move, remove them? I just was wanted to try it out, see if what that worked, if that worked or not. And I remember going back to the building. I'm getting ready for this, the routine that I've become used to. And they were not there. Right? So they weren't there. And I remember going, that is a fluke. That's a fluke. <laughs> that's that's a fluke. Something must have happened. They must have had to go on a drug run or something. Right? Like, that's a fluke. Right? But I'm too much of a theory tester person. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this tomorrow. And so the next day, something very similar. I prayed as I was going there. And I got off the bus, getting ready for the routine again. Weren't there. Okay. They weren't there. This is getting a little interesting. Third day, same process, same result. They weren't there. I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, okay, maybe this is working. Maybe, maybe it's working. Fourth day, on the bus. I forget to pray. <laughs> I get robbed. <laughs> Can you believe that? They were there. And I get robbed. And some of you might sit there and you might go like, God's playing games. But you know how I interpreted that? I said, God answers prayer. <laughs> I promise you, I did not miss a prayer after that. I didn't miss not one time. And it was funny because it's funny how my mind came to that conclusion. I was like, God answers prayer. You know, I got no money in my pocket, but I'm definitely believing more that in this idea that God answers prayer. You know what? That actually wasn't the biggest test of it for me. Because maybe a week later, I decided to take a different route home. Uh, in Chicago, we have these elevated trains called the L. And I was taking the green line because where my school was, my high school was, was on 71st and Walcott. And I was taking the green line back home to like Garfield Boulevard. Some of you in Chicago understand what I'm talking about here. And I remember being on the bus, coming back home from, because I was like, maybe a different route would do things. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I just was like, let me take the green line. Maybe it's faster. And I'm on the green line. And it's only myself, a lady, and this other person. It looks just a little, I don't know, just looks a little scrappy. Whatever, whatever. I remember sitting there and the, the guy on the train comes up to me, sits next to me. And what he says to me, he says, when you get off the train... I'm going to rob you and I'm going to kill you. Mm Mm-hmm. When somebody, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but when somebody threatens to kill you, there's a lot that flows through your mind. One is incredulity, right? You're just like, is this, is this like, you know, David at the dentist, is this real? Like, I'm like, is this real? Am I drugged up? And I just went into a twilight zone. 
and I'm experiencing something. This guy said this to me. He sat down to me and he said, when you get off of this train, I'm going to rob you and I'm going to kill you. And between then and the in the different stops he began to try to have a normal conversation with me how are you doing i see you're wearing a baseball jersey do you play do you play baseball or something like that while peppering in you know i'm gonna kill you when you get off this train i tell you i remember uh sobbing beginning to cry and this is the time i did i closed my eyes And I started to pray. I was like, God, could you please save me from this situation? God, can you please protect me from this man? God, could you please protect me from getting killed by this man? And in the midst of me saying this, he's like, oh, who you praying? You you think God's going to hear you? God isn't going to hear you. I mean, just going at me over and over right and the tr- the last stop on the train was actually my stop and we must have been three stops away where the lady on the train saw what this guy was doing and now, let me tell you something it's already it's dangerous where i grew up at right people could i'm this little kid and here's this woman and here's this aggressive man and I wouldn't be surprised if she was just like, I need to protect myself. I need to get off this train. This man is dangerous. I don't want to die. And this is kind of like the early mid 90s, right? And so um, there wasn't like a lot of cell phones out at this time. You know, beepers, of course, beepers. Let's not talk about beepers. Beepers, definitely. Cell phones were starting to become popular, right? Um... But still, not everybody had one. And I remember her having a phone, pulling out her phone. And she called and she says, hello, police. There's this man threatening this little boy on the train. We're on the green line, heading on 55th and Garfield. You need to come and arrest this man. He is trying to kill this little boy. She said it loud enough that that I heard her and the other guy heard her. And I promise you, the stop before last, which was my stop, the last stop, this man gets up, runs to the door. I kid you not. He looked at us. He growled at us. And he ran off off the train. He looked at us and growled at us. I mean, like it was like a... And he, and he, um, he ran off the train. And I remember my face being so just, I mean, I was soaking wet with tears and thanking her. Thank you so much. And she was like, that's good. And our stop came and I promise you, I ran the fastest 5K in my life, probably about two and a half, three miles away from the train stop to my home. I promise you, I read, ran the, I'm, I ran the fastest 5K nonstop. Did not have to stop. None stop. Because I was like, if he's sprinting from one station, because it's just a station away from me, he could probably still try to find me. I'm not going to take that chance. I ran from that stop completely home. 
you know, I think about about that. I promise you, you can't find, maybe you can, but you can't find a person who believes more in the power of prayer than I do. That changed everything for me. I used to think, and I'll talk about this later, I used to think that I was going to die by the age of 19. Like, I believed it. Like, as a young black man who grew up in Chicago, I honestly, I saw some statistics that at one point that talked about, you know, if you make it past the age of 19, like black men, um, you have a chance. And I remember reading that, and I was just like, based on my life, how much I get robbed, how much I get, my life is threatened. There's no way I'm going to make it. There's no way. I believed it as if it was the law of the land of my life. And at that point, a young 13, 14-year-old Tony, I thought that that was it. It was interesting because it touched on two things. One thing, I, 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 I honestly, I felt... I felt like an incredible sense of relief, of course, but I became ardently serious about prayer. And it kind of like dug in a little bit of that narrative that I began to believe that I would die by the age of 19. It wouldn't be until I was 20 years old, the day of my birthday, that I would actually believe that there was more in life for me that I wasn't destined to death. I mean, when I even gave my life over to God, I just thought I was going to go to heaven by 19. Like, I thought my destiny was sealed, but yet it wasn't. And I get that some of you all may not um, relate to such a challenging, painful uh, frame of life that 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 may, that may not be yours, but right now in 2021, I think we all have a little bit of understanding about challenges, just a little bit more than than average. Now I wonder what would it look like for us to open up ourselves to to maybe something beyond ourselves. Maybe something beyond ourselves can give answers where we're stuck in our narratives that have locked us in. I design myself as a black man to never be stuck again, though it's been hard and challenging in a lot of places. But I don't know. It's just another black man's opinion. It's just my opinion. You can tell me what you think of yours. Um... You know, thanks for listening today. I'm uh, hoping to kind of create spaces and platforms where we can have uh, live conversations. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what you're thinking about with this um, this podcast. What you think about a black man's opinion here? Uh, maybe, who knows? Maybe in the future we can get some swag, right? Coffee got a little bit of cold here, but um, maybe we can get some some coffee cups or something like that, you know, and you can sip some coffee uh, with me. Appreciate you. Look forward to talking to you again.